Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. This is TMA with Nick Hamilton. Wake your goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience, but look like he just came out of the basement. TMA with Nick Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Thank you because because now. Now we bring on our buddy Nick Hamilton. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton here. On Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this planet. Hope everybody had a good weekend and a good start to the week. Uh, lots to talk about on this week's episode, as we remember, remember the life and times of the late great icon, better known as Kobe Bryant. We'll talk about that, as well as a couple of other legends that we lost over the weekend, and Hank Aaron and media giant Larry King. We'll also get into Masterpiece next venture. Is it real or fugazi? Also, Trey Songs is throwing more than notes, and we'll get into some other NBA action later on in the show. Make sure you stay tuned and follow me on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. First and foremost, today is a very, I don't want to say somber day, but it's a very interesting day, if I can use that adjective, because today happens to mark the one-year anniversary of the tragic loss of Kobe Bryant, his young daughter Gianna, and seven other passengers in a helicopter crash outside of Los Angeles uh, near the Malibu area here in Southern California. Um, I don't know where you were when you heard the news, but I know I was waking up. I had just woke up. My phone was going off. People were telling me to turn on the news. Is it true? Is, it, is Kobe really dead? And a lot of times people like to make up false narratives. They like to make up, you know, false stories as we heard. Oh, this person died and they come back on Twitter or they come back on Instagram and say, no, that's false. That's not real. I'm, I'm alive and well. So you would hope that Kobe was going to make some type of statement saying, no, that wasn't me. You know, it might have been my helicopter or a helicopter that looked like mine, but it wasn't me. I'm safe. My family's safe. You were just waiting and hoping that that was going to come out. And unfortunately, it never did. And the reports ended up being true that he did uh, die tragically in a helicopter crash, um, along with his daughter and the seven other people that were on that on board that flight. And that day was just such a weird day because the fog was so thick and very, very dense. Um, We know the reports of how the helicopter had to circle around certain parts of downtown Los Angeles, as well as Glendale, California, which is north of downtown Los Angeles. For those of you that are in Southern California and nobody in the tower tried to ground the helicopter, which is always going to be very, very strange to me, Uh, because anytime you have an aircraft and that LAPD helicopters were grounded that morning because the fog was too dense to fly through and too thick rather to fly through. um, You know. Why wouldn't you ground a helicopter with passengers on it? But Kobe had a heart. Kobe had a heart for kids. He wanted to coach his daughter in her tournament. He had been, we saw the, 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 the videos of Gigi, what she was doing. It was amazing what she had picked up from her dad. Um, and I, you know, it was interesting because just a week prior, I don't know 
maybe some of you may be new to this show. But a week prior, I had talked to Kobe Bryant. Uh, he had him along with the company he was invested in in body armor, along with uh, Major League Soccer, had put together a clinic for young athletes to come out. Uh, they had some MLS players come out as well. And that was the debut of Body Armor having their their sports drink represent all of the MLS franchises. And Kobe Bryant was a part of it. And just talking to Kobe that day, and like I've always said time and time again, and I'll say it again, he never knew my name per se, or maybe he did, he just didn't say it. But he definitely knew my face. So when he would see me, you know, we would kind of engage a little bit. From time to time and and he was always one of the nicest guys i mean i know a lot of media members may have some some interesting dealings with him when they covered him a lot longer obviously than i have but the latter couple of years of his career i got a chance to really talk to kobe and really kind of build you know a rapport somewhat of a rapport just as a reporter and, and, and player um that type of situation and you know he was very nice he was very respectful um gave it to you straight Gave it to you honestly, and that's something I respected about Kobe Bryant. Outside of his game, I respected Kobe Bryant as a man because everything that he's done outside of the game, you know, the 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 awareness he raised with homelessness and trying to bring solutions to homelessness, especially with teen homelessness, uh, what he's done in the various black and brown communities around the the L.A. area and L.A. County, um, you know, given to various dance studios in communities to keep them afloat and make sure the kids have an alternative and be able to live out their dreams to be able to showcase his skill set not just winning an oscar and, and creating a good film short but being able to diversify his portfolio as it were being able to be great in other things because kobe was all about greatness he didn't care if you were the janitor he didn't care if you were upper management you had to be your best no matter what it was, be your best at all cost. And that's what he exemplified on the court, off the court, you know, in business. Kobe Bryant was a guy who was the key, was a prime example. Yes, he was a goat. Along with Michael Jordan and some may even say LeBron James. And I have tremendous amount of respect for all three. Michael, Kobe and LeBron. And Kobe Bryant was a warrior. And it's, it's just tragic and sad how his life was cut short. And it didn't start off 2020 great at all. I mean, to start 2020 off like that was just heartbreaking. And I still couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it to this day. I know many of you can't believe it, that he's, that he's gone. He doesn't feel like he's gone. And see, that's the kind of impact that Kobe Bryant left. And that's why the city of L.A., I think, still hurts. Not as much, but we still hurt out here. Because of the impact that Kobe left. And the city was hurting, hurting even before that. Because just less than a year before that, we lost Nipsey Hussle, tragically. And that man was, was ascending all kind of heights and making communities better making people better because he was better making people around him better so we just lost nipsey hustle 
Then we turn right back around thinking it's going to be a new year, new decade, and we lose Kobe Bryant. And later on, you know, COVID-19 hits and destroys a lot of things, and we lose a lot of people because of that. But Kobe Bryant was a guy that, hey, man, you had to be intelligent with him, and he respected that. So we lost, we, we, you know, I don't want to dwell on the death of Kobe Bryant. I like to sell it. I like to dwell on the life and his impact and what he was willing to accomplish. I mean, he brought attention and awareness to the women's game where a lot of people would clown and make fun of it and laugh. Kobe Bryant was instrumental in bringing awareness and bringing attention to the women's game, to the WNBA. Those WNBA orange hoodies everybody wants to rock now because they're so popular. Well, guess who started that trend? It was Kobe being Bryant when he brought his young daughter Gianna to one of the games, one of the Sparks games. Then he wore it at an NBA game. And everybody was like, oh, snap, Kobe wore this sweatshirt. So everybody wanted to be. He was a trendsetter. That's why his, shoe, his shoes sold out so much. This is why his shoes sold out so much. They sold out faster than Jordan's. Because it's Kobe Bryant. People want to be like Mike, but everybody wanted to be like Kobe. There's a lot of y'all, a lot of influ- a lot of players that play in the NBA now that were influenced by Kobe Bryant. Much how like Kobe was influenced by, by Michael Jordan. People were influenced by Kobe Bryant. People were influenced by the late great Hank Aaron, who passed away this past weekend at the age of 86. Now, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, he died of natural causes, but it was ironic that Hank Aaron had taken the COVID-19 vaccination to showcase to people that it's okay to take the vaccination, and then weeks later, he dies. I'm not here to be a conspiracy theorist. That's not what I'm here for. I'm just giving you the facts. You make your own decisions. You come to your own conclusion. But as great as Hank Aaron was, I mean, this is a guy that went through the most racist, divisive, uh, 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 just one of those things where how can a man focus on his craft when he has to worry about his life and his family's life? Because he was threatened. He had all kind of threatening letters when he, before he broke Babe Ruth's home run record. And I'm so glad he had the mental strength to get past that and said, I'm going to break this record regardless. And he did it. And he did it with grace and he did it with class and he did it with his chest out as he should. Hank Aaron gave a lot of hope and a lot of strength to a lot of young players, young people. Grown adult people. He was that impactful. Before you heard about the Deion Sanders and the Ken Griffey Juniors of the world and the Daryl Strawberries and the Eric Davises, it was Hank Aaron. Before the before Barry Bonds, it was Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron started out with the Indianapolis Clowns from the Negro Leagues, moved on to the Boston Braves, the Milwaukee Braves, and later on the Atlanta Braves. Hank Aaron was an icon. 
on and off the diamond. He was all for civil rights. He made sure he fought for the rights of black people and people of color. And this is why it was it was kind of shocking to see that Hank Aaron had passed away. Then when I find out that, hey, guess what? This dude took the shot, the vaccine. It was very interesting. But Hank Aaron was going. I, I, I didn't grow up in Hank Aaron's era, but I watched the film. I was thoroughly impressed by Hank Aaron. Got his jersey hanging up somewhere. And if you listen to my interview with the Negro League Baseball Museum president, Bob Kendrick, who is not only just the president, but he's a great historian of Negro League history and baseball history by itself. You can go on my on YouTube channel at youtube.com slash NH Experience TV. Uh, it's the NH Experience show, episode 22, part one and part two. So go check that out. Go listen. He talks about the, the likes of Hank Aaron and Buck O'Neill. Uh, guys like Daryl Strawberry, Ken Griffey Jr., Deion Sanders, Brian Grant, excuse me, Brian Jordan, rather. A lot of guys, even the younger guys that are in Major League Baseball today. Great, great. I, I was so honored. And so he was so gracious to give me an interview. And I'm talking about Bob Kendrick. And Mr. Kendrick is, is, is a, a plethora of knowledge when it comes to the sport of bas uh, baseball. But go check it out. Hear what he had to say about the late, great Hank Aaron, whom he got to know and meet. His childhood idol. Hank Aaron. Hank, man, what can I say about Hank Aaron? What can you say about Hank Aaron besides him being great and iconic? And, and helping grow the sport in our communities. Great ambassador to the game. Great ambassador. Just like Larry King. Larry King passed away of COVID related. Uh issues over the weekend as well he had been hospitalized at cedar sinai hospital for the last month or so uh due to COVID 19 uh, complications and unfortunately he never made it out of the hospital but larry king if you were in the media like i am and for if you have a desire to be in the media that is one guy that should be studied in every journalism and every communications course because larry king set the trend Larry King had such a brilliant interview style. He had, he was so personable with his guest. He didn't make it like a regular Q&A. He made it more like a conversation, but he wasn't scared to ask the tough questions. He wasn't scared. He wasn't going to back down until you gave him the answer that the American public desired to get in his perception, with his perception of it. And that's something that I learned from Larry King. When you're sure, be sure all the way. Don't half step it. And Larry King changed the game. Larry King did what he wanted to do until his dying days. And it was funny because I remember one year I was at Dodger Stadium. And we all know, in case some of you don't know, Larry King was a huge Dodger fan. I mean, his blood would be blue. That's how much of a Dodger fan he was. And I remember seeing him in 2019, the beginning of the season. He was walking with a couple of people. And I said, Mr. King, the legend. He turns around. He says, hey, young man, you know, that voice, that distinctive voice that Larry King has. And I was like, wow, that's Larry King. And he's walking around like, hey, I'm Larry King, baby. And I love seeing that. And I wish now I would have had 
the guts to go asking for a picture. But I was nervous because I was there covering the game as a member of the media, and I didn't want it to be out of line by asking him for a picture when I was there to cover a game. And plus, I didn't want certain people to have a fit about me trying to take a picture with Larry King. So I just kind of fell back and said, well, maybe I'll catch up with him next time. And that next time never came. But to this day, I wish I would have I wish I would have went up to him now and it, it just took a picture with him and just told him how much I admired him and how much I really respected him. Because that is a guy that you really, really, really. You really wanted to know, and he was a guy that you really respected and admired. I know I did. So respect and rest in peace to Larry King, rest in peace to Hank Aaron. And of course, Rest in peace to the late, great Kobe Bean Bryant, his daughter Gianna, and the seven passengers that lost their life tragically one year ago today. I'm going to leave you with LeBron James speaking about the late, great Kobe Bryant and what LeBron, excuse me, what Kobe Bryant meant to LeBron James. Make sure you stay tuned. You're listening to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you stay tuned. And take a listen to this. I only looked at Kobe for him. <clears throat> you know, obviously you've seen a lot of the similarities between, you know, him and Mike, but I appreciate Kobe's game for Kobe's game. Um, you know, the way he played the game, the finesse that he played with, you know, the ball handling, the capabilities, the shooting, everything that he possessed on the floor. You know, I, I respected him for who he was as a player, um, you know, and, and what he was able to, to bring on the floor. You know, and, um, you know, the fact that he was able to, um, you know, take some things from MJ and, and, and look at some of MJ's DNA and and actually be able to do it. A lot of people try to do that. A lot of people wish they can take things from some of the greats and implement it into their game and then become successful. They just can't. They don't have the ability to do it or they don't have the drive to do it. They don't have the, the, the mindset to do it, but he actually did it um, and did it at a high level for a long, long, long time. And, uh, you know, you can respect that. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lowen. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we got a lot of guys that wear shoes still to this day, obviously. You know, I'm, I'm able to, to wear the 2-4 on my finger every night. Um, and then when we're playing Staples Center, you see that 8-2-4 in the rafters and be able to just uh, just live his legacy on, you know. Um, it's a lot of things that die um, in this world, but legends never die. And uh, and he's exactly that. So you know, it's all about representing that. All right, everybody. Welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you follow me on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. We have a special guest. This man is the CEO and owner of the Three Point Conversion. Uh, definitely covers the Atlanta Hawks. Charlotte Hornets. He also has some NFL coverage as well and just great all around conversation. So we're going to get into uh, talk about a little bit about LeBron, the late great Kobe Bryant and uh, what's going on in the world of the Brooklyn Nets. To join me to talk about these topics and more, I have Raphael Haynes. What's going on, Raphael? How you doing, man? I'm good, Nick. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. Hey, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate you as well. Uh, let's get right into it. You know, today is uh, marks the one year anniversary of the uh, tragic death of the one and only the late great, the icon himself, Kobe Bryant. Um, 
where were you how did you take the news and and what is what was kobe bryant uh in his legacy what was that to you specifically so where was i we were on the way to miami florida we were covering going on the way to cover the super bowl right it was um three of us driving we were driving and so we we're a news company we're a news source so you know we put our updates out mm -hmm. and my my um producer not producer but engineer for the radio show he was with me and he said did you hear he he said oh my god he's like i don't know if this is true or not but they saying kobe was in a plane crash like nah you know, I'm like, who who said that? I'm like, nah. Then we get a call from our insider. He said it, but he was like, I don't know if it's true. You ever have one of those moments where you don't want to believe it? So <laughs> you got to make sure you hear from everyone. Exactly. To, and, and it got to that point where it started seeming like it was true, man. I remember like it was yesterday. Like, I felt like I'm, you know, man, in the car now. And when we found out it was true, it, it it didn't seem real. And to be honest, Nick, I, I didn't, it didn't really hit me maybe until June of this year that Kobe was really gone. So, mm -hmm. you know, of course, it's funny because I thought about it today and thinking like, man, it's, it's a year since Kobe passed, passed and it's, it's crazy. And to me, so my favorite player is Michael Jordan. I'm originally from Chicago. Okay. Michael Jordan, my favorite player. When Kobe first came into the league, Kobe, you know, you heard a lot about him and, you know, it was cool. I, I liked his game. You know, I, I did. I knew he tried. He looked like Jordan on a couple of things. I'm talking about his rookie year now. Mm. When he dunked, he had a tongue out and the way like Jordan's rookie year. His second year, you know, I, like, like I said, I, I liked him. I was like a fan. Cool. But when I became a fan of Kobe, and Kobe's my second favorite player of all time, is that moment they were playing Chicago in Chicago, and I think it was uh, Randy Brown at the free throw line. But I remember Kobe leaned over. You, the camera panned to Jordan. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You didn't see Kobe say anything, but you saw him nodding, and Jordan was in Kobe's ear, and Jordan was nodding. I'm like, that's him. And the reason why I say that's him you know, I might be an old head or whatever, but <laughs> you remember when Jordan was playing and everybody wanted to make everybody the next Jordan? They said right. Green Hill, Harold Miner, Penny Hardaway, none of them have games like Jordan. Not saying they're not good, but right. But when it came to Jordan, he never said that's but when he did that, I knew then he saw something in Kobe. From then on, I was a fan of Kobe. If Jordan Sepp, you, I'm a fan. And like I said, he meant, man, it was just, I always, when I think about them two, you know, Jordan, who's a, uh, who's more of a competitor or whatever, like they weren't in the same, but it like Jordan knew he was great. And Jordan proved, look, can't nobody beat me. I've never seen nobody like Kobe where it was like, okay, God gave me this talent, but no matter what, I know God gave me this talent. And it's great, but I could get better than that. Mm -hmm. No one, I haven't seen anyone since 
or even before it was like that. Jordan, well, Jordan was just, you can't beat me. I'm the greatest. I'm, I'm, you know, he didn't say that, but you know what I'm saying? That was his thing where Kobe was like, I can get better no matter what. That was his challenge. That's what Kobe meant to me. Absolutely. I mean, Kobe exemplified greatness. He was, before the term became popular, he was black excellence. Like he was the guy, and I, I said this in the segment before, whether you were the janitor, whether you were a dishwasher, whether you were upper management, whether you ran the company, he wanted you to be your best at all times and be the best at what you were good at doing. And that's something that will always stick with me as far as just his work ethic and his attitude when it came to that. So uh, I remember that, that day and being out there at LA Live that night and just seeing the people come together. And even though it was a tragic situation, the one thing I think that was a, a, a good part about it, nothing is, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying anything was good about we losing Kobe, but the fact that people came together from all different races, different walks of life, genders, what have you, we didn't care about that. All you cared about, hey man, you here for Kobe? Hey man, what did Kobe mean to you? And you start hearing people tell stories and people wearing different various Laker colors and different Kobe jerseys and things of that nature. People that even weren't, weren't even Laker fans still loved Kobe that much to come out and to share. I mean, I saw kids bringing little basketballs to the to the, the makeshift memorial and things like that, and people just coming out. I mean, it didn't matter. That, again, you know, unlike a, par- a championship parade in L.A., this is what made people come together. And I think yeah. that was the blessing or the rainbow out of the, out of the cloud, so to speak, because Kobe brought people together. And yeah. that's something I will also remember about him as well. Uh, especially living in Los Angeles at the time, all the pretty much majority of my life, yeah. uh, I'm born and raised. And it was crazy because you know, being on Radio Row, everybody, um, you know, we get to interview, ask people questions. Of course, people come to the mm-hmm. table. That was the question we asked everyone, and to see how Kobe, I would have never thought that. See how Kobe affected everyone. I'm talking about from Jeezy Jeez, had a story to. Um, uh, who was the quarterback for the 49ers? Um, Jeff Garcia had a story about Kobe. It, it was like everyone had a story about Kobe. Yeah. And how he affected them and just made an impact on their life. And I thought it was dope to just to see that, man. And because honestly speaking, Nick, because I am a Kobe fan, a lot of people didn't really, I feel like a lot of people didn't give Kobe his praise while he was playing until maybe his last year, which yeah. is understandable in a sense when you don't like him or, you know, as a fan, you know, you know, I get that. But even after he retired, he still didn't get the love until he passed. And I'm, and I, I mean, it's cool that, and I'm glad he, you know, everybody love him, but right. I always felt like because of the situation with Shaq or whatever else you had, you thought about, People didn't give him that, and because he was arrogant, and you know, on the court, so whatever, you know. But it was like when he passed, that's when you saw the love. Like you said, everybody that day, everybody was cool, any race, any gender, no matter what. And yeah, man. That, but shout out to Kobe, yeah. man. Yeah, exactly. Rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, and, and and you know, condolences to his family as well. Yeah, um, that was a very very tough loss, but tough. definitely celebrate him as an individual, as a human being, for sure. Um, I want to get into another topic, uh, speaking of which, 
when you're trying to celebrate somebody, but it's not necessarily a celebration in Brooklyn. We all know the controversial trade that happened between the Houston Rockets and the Brooklyn Nets trading James Harden, who wanted to get the hell up out of Dodge real quick, fast and in a hurry, moves on to the Brooklyn Nets to join Kevin Durant and then later on Kyrie Irving. We all know the issues they're dealing with Kyrie Irving. But now it seems like they have some chemistry issues. Um, I saw a report that they possibly are, are contacting the Cleveland Cavaliers about JaVale McGee and maybe Kevin Love. Uh, when it comes to that, but first and foremost, what's going on in Brooklyn? This ain't this this ain't spreading love the Brooklyn way, that's for sure. <laughs> but you you know, I I think because we live in this, I call it the microwave world where everything's supposed to work out and happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I it reminds me of Miami. I remember when Miami got together and the first 13, 17 games, something like that, they didn't look good. I think at one point they were like seven and nine. And yeah. it was a lot of panic, but it was let's play together. I mean, you think about it. You you have a lot of you have different egos. And I think what's so different about this trio is the fact that all of them are ball dominant. All of them need the ball in their hand, want the ball in their hand. All of them want the last shot in their hand. Yes, in Miami, all of them was number ones on their former teams, you know, but LeBron was more of the facilitator. And I think it took a while where Dwayne was, okay, you do that. Let me play shooting guard. Bosch was never ball dominant, and it worked. We saw it in Boston. It worked. Even in Golden State, Durant, yes, Durant had the ball, but Steph Curry is not a ball dominant player. Right. Um, Clay is not that. So, and they passed the ball. You know, you love to spread the ball, pass the ball. So it works. But this is unique because everyone is the person that has the ball, especially at the end of the game. They love to shoot. And to me, I think the problem with with Brooklyn right now, it's not more so just chemistry. You mentioned, especially with JaVale McGee, is defensively, man. Defense on the defensive end, they can't stop anybody. Think about it. The last few games, man, I think – they beat Milwaukee. Milwaukee, I think, scored 114, something like that. But then uh, Cleveland, 147. You say it went double overtime, but still, 147 a lot. They lose again to Cleveland, 135. 124, um, I, came, I forgot who was the next team that beat them. But then even on, in their last win, the team still scored 124. No defense. You let Jared Allen go. No, right. you know, Durant might be your best defender. He's stepped up in the last few years. But other than that, nobody else is playing defense. So I think that's the biggest problem. Defensively, yeah, I agree. I think defensively. And it, and I also tell people, too, it takes time to gel. Yeah. I mean, I said the same thing with the Lakers. When the Lakers got, even though they won a championship in 2020, they had new pieces. They had Montrez Harrell. They had Wesley Matthews. They had, uh, you know, Gasol. They had uh, Dennis Schroeder. They had those guys, and it's, it takes time for guys to gel. I, I said you got to give them at least 15 to 20 games to really gel and figure right. each other out, and that's something that Anthony Davis kept talking about because they had peaks and valleys where they would play really good defense, and then they would lay off, as we saw a couple, a few nights back uh, when they were at their last home game against the Golden State Warriors. How they, just laid, they just laid down in the fourth quarter, and Steph Curry just came back from 19 down. So you're going to have lapses like that. You're going to – I mean – you're going to have situations like that, but they've been undefeated on the road as of as of late, talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. How impressed have you been with their road record versus their home record? That's impressive. That That's 
the mark of a great team right there when you can win on the road. Now, granted, there's no fans, but still, I mean, still getting on the plane, you know, that, that's a lot. You know, you ask any player, just getting on the plane, being away from your family, sleeping in a hotel is different. So for them to win on the road, it shows that your focus is great. You know, you have to have great focus to win on the road. Um, but again, there's no fans, but still to be the only team to, to do that so far this year, I think that's great. I, I, and I, I think um, with the Lakers, what I'm impressed with is the fact that, again, like you stated, you add so many, you add these different pieces. And last year was new because that was Anthony Davis' first year. You had um, you had um, my man that's in Philly now. I can't think of his name. Dwight but, Howard. Dwight Howard and the, and the um, the other guard, uh, golly. Rajon Rondo plays for the Hawks, man. The Hawks, but the one for Philly, the one that went to Philly also. Good. Oh, you're talking about uh, yeah. uh, Lionel Richie Jr. Jr. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, you know, the one that last year that Kawhi asked to come to Clippers, and I think I really think Danny Green. Mm-hmm. I think Danny Green just thought he meant the Lakers instead of the Clippers. That's why he went to the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> but Maybe. Or, right. It worked out though. But either or um you had all those new pieces, all those pieces you named, they were new last year. And then to and to move them out and insert different pieces this year, and they're still winning and playing great. It shows great leadership. And again, man, it, even from the coach, it shows leadership from the coach standpoint, of course, with LeBron and the players. And it just shows brotherhood. And, and you can't beat that. You know, that that's that's the mark of a great team. Yeah, absolutely, man. They're continuing to be undefeated on the road. They've won. Uh, they won on the road undefeated. It's not easy with or without fans. Like you said, the traveling and, and the, the fatigue of going in your hometown, especially when Anthony Davis going back home to Chicago and dropping 37 on that team. Now you got LeBron coming back to Cleveland in his hometown. So, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of factors that play into these guys, making sure they stay mentally and physically ready uh, for the task at hand. And also, too, I'm going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, Trey Young and Luka Doncic. Obviously, these guys were swapped. Uh, in the draft, but worked out exceptionally well. It seems like for their respective teams, Luka Doncic is uh, projected to possibly be an MVP candidate this year. What have you seen in the growth of Luka Doncic? And also, what have you seen out of Trey Young with the Atlanta Hawks, especially with you being right there, being able to cover the Hawks night in and night out? First, to talk about Luka, you know, I, I honestly, you know, I didn't see him play overseas. And so you saw clips and you heard about him. I didn't think he was gonna be this good, man. And <laughs> <laughs> we just keep it like people real. And the fact that you you have a player that you know everybody always want to compare someone to the old, you know, to '90s or 2000s, but he's probably like the first player that has a little bit of because he has a slow pace that you know takes his time everything is you know his, his like thought process is like you know you see he's scanning you he's taking his time but yet still he has that new age game as well mixed up. and it's you can't you can't beat that man and i mean he's basically averaging a triple double 26 yeah. 9.7 and 9.5 like that's really a triple double i mean in my case you give him the 
give him the um if it's, if it's, if it's 0.5 or higher, you give him that extra <laughs> give him that extra uh point or whatever. But um I think I think Luca is the future. I think he's the guy I to me right now, believe it or not. I, I think he's in top five conversation, man, when it, when it comes to best play. To be so young and to play like that. Mm. Do what, 21, 22 years old? Yeah, I'm not ready to put him in the top five yet. He's got to show me a little bit more than what he's been showing me. But I can't I can't put him in the top five because you got to win playoff series. You got You have to get at least near the big dance, what I mean by the NBA right, finals. So I'm no, not I, – I, I agree with that. Yeah, I'm I not agree. ready. I'm not ready yet. But you right. can put him in your top five if you feel comfortable. Yeah. I, now, <laughs> and, and I'm not putting him in my top five. I, honestly, I just think you talk about top five best players. And I, and I guess I'm not mm-hmm. looking as, as far as the greatest players, and but just the best players, pure best players in the league, he's up there. I mean, he's unguardable. Gotcha. I don't care who's guarding him. He's, you know, he's clutch. You know, even what he did last year, man, he was banged up. That was clutch to do that. And honestly, I wasn't a Luka fan like that, you know. Yeah. But that dude, I, it's hard to put four other guys just – it's hard to put four other guys right in my eyes that's um, better than him right now, you know. But um, as far as Trey – I think now I think Trey is getting Trey. Trey had a little uh, moment this month. I don't know if y'all heard what situation with the locker room situation with John Collins and you mm. know Collins being a big brother. Collins being a teammate and speaking on you know hey I think we should do this and I you know and Trey's my guy you know I, I love Trey and I think it kind of rubbed Trey the wrong way. I don't I don't think he was. We never. I don't think Trey had to deal with that because Trey always been the man everywhere he's been. I don't think he's right. a challenge. So for him to be challenged like that, I think it got to him. You know what I'm saying? It it, it got to him. And you could tell the games afterwards, he didn't play as that way. But now he's gotten out that funk now. And I think he's one of the most underrated stars in the game right now. I mean, for him to be a scorer like he is, you know, that small but his most underrated part of the game of his game is his passing ability i think that gets slept on you know and i think now if the hawks continue to win you will hear more about him. but hey man you talk about one of the most competitive players i've ever known that's trey young when i say trey hates to lose he hates to lose you know he, he don't he has scored 48 and lost, and we asked him, yeah, that's, that's well enough, we lost. And it, uh, you can see it on his face, mm-hmm. you know. And, like, he, he told he told me, he told me this um, at the beginning, of, uh, before preseason started, we would, you know, ask him questions, and, and I asked him a question. He told me, he said, hey, man, that's well and good at the stats, but I'm not looking at stats right now. I don't care about stats. And I don't like that narrative. I'm just about stats. I want to win. That's all I care about. So, um I think, I think um, in the future, those two are going to be at the top. I really believe, believe it or not, I'm saying it here first. Nobody's might not agree with me. Those two will win an MVP before their career is out. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think I think the teams, the respective teams, have to build. I think Luke has a little bit better chance because the organization right. is willing to build more around him than the Hawks. 
But it remains to be seen because the Hawks have always been the Hawks. So we'll see if that turns around for them and that organization. Seems like they're trying to move in the right direction, at, you know, adding Cam Reddish. And I think Cam Reddish is going to be a, a, a breakout star at some point as well. I think people are yeah. sleeping on him as well. So I think that might help uh, Trey Young uh, develop and grow as a player and as a leader on that squad. Thank you so much, man, for coming on board. I really appreciate your insight. Uh, this was a great conversation. Definitely got to have you back on the show, man, as the NBA season continues to progress. This is Raphael Haynes from Three Point Conversion, uh, Three Point Conversion Radio. He's the host and CEO of it. Please let everybody know they can continue to find you and all your great work, sir. Yes. First of all, man, appreciate for having me on, man. I love to come back. You can uh, find me on um, social media at Controversy 21 or Mr. Controversy 21. That's the, that's that's the name they give me, Mr. Controversy. Um, I didn't even do my did you miss me? You know, I had to do that. You know, that's, that's me. But anyway, um, also, man, make sure you follow at the three point conversion, all social media platforms, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and check out the three point conversion.com. We definitely appreciate it. Once again, Nick, appreciate you, man, for having me on today, man. Hey, thank you for coming on. I had to drop that Varnell Hill drop in there, huh? <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> if you watch Martin, you know what we're talking about. Yep. <laughs> thank you so much, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right, peace. That was Raphael Haynes from the Three Point Conversion uh, radio show. Make sure you check him out. Look, great insight. Make sure you stay tuned. We'll be right back. We got another special guest, and we we're talking about the life and legacy of Kobe Bryant and what's going on with the latest with Master P. Is it real or fugazi? What's going on with that? And what's going on with your man Trey Songs throwing more than just music notes out there in Kansas City? We'll talk about that all that and more on the other side of the break. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you hit me up on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. All right, y'all, you know what time it is. Every month we get together, we exchange ideas, we go back and forth. He tries to school me. I'll try to school him. I don't know, but it's all it's all good at the end of the day. I like to welcome back my my brother from another mother back on the show. He'll be on once a month uh, representing the ticker report. He's also one half of Lakers and Nachos, which is a brand new show he has exclusively on Facebook Live and other live streams. Also, he's the host of COVID Radio, so make sure you stay tuned and, and peek that out as well uh, and be on the lookout for new episodes with the, with COVID Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Jay Ticker. What's going on, man? Oh, my God. I, I, had, to, I had to bring myself in and press the button. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a new year, a new season. It's good to be back. Nick, what's the deal, man? Thanks for having me on this season. Hey, man, thanks for coming back on, man. You know we're going to get together, I told you, once a month, man. We'll get together like we used to on the weekend show. For those of you that may be unfamiliar, uh, I did have this show on the weekends on another network. And uh, Jay was gracious enough to be the co-host uh, during that, that, that time when I was on the weekend. So now we graduated to the weekdays, and so now – uh, with this weekly show. Um, I'm definitely making sure that I bring the folks that were with me then are going to be with me now. So this is why Jay Ticker is definitely uh, on this episode and, and in this segment. And like I said, once a month, we'll have a cross uh, between uh, TMA with Nick Hamilton and the Ticker Report. So let's get into it, man. First things first, Master P. Now, we all know Master P made some really 
large headwaves when it came to talking about possibly acquiring uh, Reebok for $2.4 billion, him and Baron Davis as well. Uh, now he's he seems like he's going to team up uh, with a car manufacturer or gentleman that was uh, a designer, uh, car designer, I believe, with Tesla once upon a time. Um, and now he's trying to connect with him. To me, listen, I respect Masterpiece business. I see what he's trying to do. Um, I don't knock the man whatsoever. But at the same time, man, what in the hell are you trying to accomplish with this? Can you make sense of any of this stuff, please? Help me. Help me out. Help a brother out, please. Nick, that's that's funny you you, you asked that question because I was going to I was going to ask you, were you asking me that question or were you actually asking Master P? Because I honestly don't feel anyone has the answers, not even P himself right now. Uh, this is a story that actually that that posted live um, the, the day it happened. I want to say this. We posted this on the Ticker Report Instagram. If you don't follow our page, it's the Ticker Report at one word, T-H-E-T-I-C-K-E-R-R-E-P-O-R-T. And we put up this story, Nick, that was extremely interesting. It looks like Master P is going to be joining forces with the former Tesla engineer to create Black-owned supercars. Now, here's the story. Master P is obviously getting to the money. The rapper turned business mogul announced this week that he'll be creating his own line of supercars with the help of former Tesla engineer Richard Patterson. So Trion Supercars is the brainchild of Miller and Richard Patterson, a mm. former engineer who designed Tesla's Model S car in addition to helping design the Boeing 777 and the Dodge minivan as well. Uh, the company would be the first Black-owned company of its kind, mm -hmm. so that's maybe a reason why my Masterpiece seems so excited. Uh, Patterson would be the first Black-owned supercar manufacturer in the country. Now, Richard Patterson is obviously a genius, which is what yes. Master P referred to him as in a statement that he released to Rolling Out. The statement reads, he has created the blueprint for the next era of supercars. It's time for us to change the narrative for our culture by offering economic empowerment with this partnership. The Nemesis RRRR is about the superb performance, head-turning appearance, and technical innovation that creates the blueprint for the next era of supercars. Nick, I just got a question for you. Does that sound like a car that you'd be interested in? And I guess the question I'd be asking everyone is, I, 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 the, the, something tells me we'd be interested in what the price tag would look like. So, uh, shout out to Master P. It looks like he's trying to come out with something new. He's always up to his uh, usual antics. Uh, I won't say antics. This is this is a sounds like it's something he's really deeply passionate about, like most entrepreneurs. And this seems to be a project that he wants to blow up and allow change to come, as he always liked to refer right. to. As in support our people with having our own black business. Nick, that is a fantastic idea, don't you think? In theory, yes. In reality, I have a bunch of questions and not enough answers. Number one, you struck the nail on the head. What is going to be the price tag? And can black people afford these types of vehicles? Number one, ones with families. Not saying that there aren't any black folks that can't afford it, because I'm sure there will be. Just like there are black people that buy Teslas, there are black people that buy Mercedes and BMWs and things of that nature. I understand that. But what is the price tag on it? Number two, who's going to be funding this? Because as we know, man, with these quote unquote supercars or these these high, you know, these energy cars, uh, 
you know, the things that we see with Tesla and those types of things, they're not cheap to manufacture. So where where is the factory, number one? Where are they going to be manufacturing these cars? Who's going to be working the assembly lines, if any? And my other question is, who's going to have who's the funding and where's the percentage? Who has the controlling interest in percentage? Now, the gentleman that, that, that worked for Tesla and designed the cars, he is absolutely a genius. My hat's off to that man. He is absolutely a genius. I would never say anything disrespectful about that man whatsoever. Um, I think I like his his ingenuity, but I think Master P is trying to. It sounds like to me Master P is throwing stuff up against the wall and hoping it sticks. Because you go from the Reebok situation where he was going up and having $2.4 billion, which is more than likely would end up being $2.5 billion when the lawyers and everybody else is through with the negotiations and things of that nature. Also, too, you got Anta Footwear, which also owns, uh, I believe, uh, Vans. It owns Timberland. And there's another other company that it owns that has way more capital and access to capital than Master P and Baron Davis combined. Um, and that's not a knock to them. It's just the facts of the matter. So when you have two point four billion, you're buying a graveyard like Reebok, who lost, who dipped forty two percent in the during the pandemic. And I'm not to say that no other shoe company has dipped, but apparently they've dipped the most for it for it to be noticeable and recognizable in the news media. So that to me is a red flag right there. Secondly, Reebok is a graveyard. Ain't nobody bought Reebok. You, you expect a black, so you want it to be black owned, but how many black people have bought Reeboks? In the last five years outside of the Iversons. I'll wait. Um, what is going to be the brand identity of Reebok? Because you're competing with Nike, Puma, and Under Armour. And Adidas, I might add. Let me not forget them. And then all of a sudden, that went away. Because you knew good and hell well, you didn't have enough money to even approach the deal. $2.4 billion. According to the accounting and reports, Master P, I believe, was worth between 200 and 250 million dollars. And I believe Baron Davis on paper. Now, again, I'm not in that in those those gentlemen's pockets. But according to paper, I believe is about 60 to 75 million dollars. That's it's nowhere near two point four billion. Hey, Nick, it's it's totally fine. It's all public records. Not so these people. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, again, I don't want to decrease what they have, but I'm just stating fact like this is what they have. There's no way. So that means you have to add a bunch of partners involved. And I know the last time we talked, I know they were talking about having Shaq more involved um, and him having a percentage. So how many people are you going to have? You're going to have 15 people involved. So who has controlling interest? That's my question. The same thing with this car company. Like who has you talk all this black owned stuff and that's fine. But who has the controlling interest? And when the controlling interest be black owned, if that's what you're concerned about. So to me, Master P, I mean, listen, he's done he's done an exceptional job in the world of music and entertainment. Um, he's an ultimate hustler. He's going to find a way to, to create opportunities for others as well as himself, um, as well as his, his, you know, his children, uh, which he's done a fantastic job with, of doing. Um, but I just feel like this this sounds like to me that I'm going to throw this up against the wall and hope it sticks. It, it doesn't sound it doesn't look like anything where you're trying to develop your portfolio. When I look at a Jay-Z, when I look at a Dr. Dre, when I look at, you know, Puffy, when I look at other people in the industry that diversified their portfolio, you can see the evidence of that. You can see the remnants of that. 
I don't see the remnants of that with Master P. I just don't. Maybe I'm missing something, but I just don't see it. Well, it looks like he's intending to make a huge splash in the car industry, the auto industry. Uh, looks like he's got some. I, I, if I if I assume correctly, with someone who's worth over two hundred million dollars, that being Master P, I assume that he would have a capital group already on deck, put together, and they're going out to make sure they're going out to uh, make sure that this venture is successful. At least I hope. But uh, it is a far fetch. It is something different from his portfolio. It's totally different from cereal and top ramen noodles and clothing and apparel and merch. So it's going to be extremely interesting to see how this thing unfolds. But all we can do, obviously, right now is just kind of wait and see with Master P. So shout out to Master P for dropping that information also on Martin Luther King's birthday. That's cool. Not too bad. Yeah, and listen, I like the rap noodles. I think the rap noodles was cool. I think the rap noodles are a cool idea. Uh, I just wish that they were in more areas where they could be, uh, they're able to purchase them. Uh, but I, I like the concept. I like the idea. I, I'm looking forward to tasting some of the flavors that he has. So I think it looks pretty good. Uh, speaking of flavors, your man Trey Songs, man, he's out here in Kansas City getting locked up. Now, according to TMZ, uh, he was at the he attended the AFC championship between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. Now, once the game concluded, there was an altercation that broke out between Trey Songs and a couple of officers uh, in the stadium. Now, I from uh, from eyewitness accounts, as you go ahead and read on, they were saying that the that the police incited the violence that ensued because Trey, uh, excuse me, Trey Songs was trying to defend himself, as it were, off the police. And so he had he had to spend 24 hours in jail. He was later released uh, on Monday. What the hell is going on, man? Like this is not I, I don't blame Trey Songs for this at all. I think these cops saw a guy, a young black man, didn't realize who he was. They thought he was just some regular black guy. And it sounds like to me they just wanted to try to harass him. He wasn't having it. And then they realized, oh, snap. This dude is actually somebody of importance. But now the die has been cast. It's too late. You can't put the crap back in the horse. So what were your thoughts when you first heard Trey, Trey Songs out here uh, giving two pieces to the, to, the, to the police? That's a good question, Nick, and I'm glad you asked. I'm extremely, extremely happy that you asked. The first thing that came to my mind was who won? I mean, I believe that is the question that everybody is asking in their head before they're allowed to be able to witness the video. And we got a chance to look at the video online. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, the same Trey songs that we covered on the uh, he was participating in, in, in helping feed back the homeless. He's done so many good deeds during the pandemic. And for now, for him to get jammed up in this type of predicament, it's uh, it's it's very sad and unfortunate. But there's a brighter side to this. I want to go ahead and go into the story. Now, this story was obviously published and released by TMZ initially. Uh, the, the story basically speaks about Trey getting into it with an officer uh, at the AFC Championship game where the Kansas City Chiefs took on the uh, Knicks' favorite team. <laughs> you better, hey man, you better, you better stop lying to these people out here, man. But go ahead. The way that this story goes is Kansas City police uh, gave – 
gave Trey Song a buck and a half worth 50, a buck 50. I don't know what you want to call it. The dust up did indeed start because uh, TS refused Trey Songs, that is, to, uh, to follow the stadium's coronavirus protocol, namely that he allegedly refused to wear a mask. That's what the law mm. enforcement agents are saying. Now, the Kansas City Police Department says fans were complaining that Trey wasn't allowing wasn't following Arrowhead's safety rules, read the virus, and that once security was called and unable to get him to comply or successfully boot him out outright. They called in the big guns and had police actually come in and deal with with the situation. Now, cops say Trey again refused to obey orders and was eventually told he was under arrest. They allegedly say that he punched an officer and put him in a headlock, which you can clearly see on the video. More cops were called in, and they were finally able to get it under control. Now, the Kansas City Police Department says the case is being referred to the Jackson County Prosecutor for further review. Trey's attorney, John P. O'Connor, had no comment uh, when the media reached out. And uh, Trey was just released from custody at 9.55 a.m. today, as Nick just uh, stated uh, sources connected to trade with direct knowledge on monday oh, uh, yeah M- correct that is correct so he believes the cop in question had it in for him long before the altercation and when the officer came over to him he was immediately aggressive another source says the cops beef before the incident was that trey and his crew were not wearing masks and refused to put them on i i, I will say this <sighs> nick now, that, that is the story in its entirety I will say this, it's it's unfortunate that he had to go through that. But I do want to ask this question. Maybe someone hasn't asked this already. Is normally when you see these incidents on TV, for instance, we got a chance to witness the, the, the nation, got a chance to witness and the world. What happened in the Capitol building when these mm-hmm. people stormed the building and rioted and beat up police and people died? Policemen died from being suffocated and stomped on and brutally beaten to death. What, what happens in this case when you have just a group of individuals, according to the reports, uh, we don't know the truth right now, but what it seems like is maybe Trey didn't want to wear his masks. His friends maybe didn't want to wear their masks. But my question to you is, is that is that an a offense? Is that an offense that can cause you to be uh, put into jail or arrested for? Well, I don't, it's not a law, right? Well, it depends. It it. it... Uh, depends on what city and state you're in. Number one, if it is a law, uh, if it's required. But the other, it's always two sides to every story. We don't know what was said to Trey. We don't know what type of verbiage that was used to incite uh, a, a particular reaction uh, that that they received. Uh, because you, we all know how how some you know a lot of these cops out here are, are, are talking to us as men, uh, as men of color, especially black men. So we don't know what. They were saying we don't know what words were exchanged. Uh, I'm sure the investigation will continue on both sides. And somehow, some way, uh, hopefully the truth will will prevail and will surface to where everybody can see what happened, what really happened that day uh, at Arrowhead Stadium. But really quick before we get on uh, and conclude the show, I want to get your thoughts. We got about two minutes or so. I want to get your thoughts, obviously, as we we would be remiss of not asking about the late, great Kobe Bryant here on this day where we lost him tragically along with his lovely daughter Gianna and seven other passengers uh, on a helicopter flight as they were going from Orange County uh, to at at that time the uh, Mamba Sports Academy for a tournament. Uh, Just want to get your thoughts on the late great Kobe Bryant and 
you know, what happened? Glad you asked, Nick. I want to first uh, take the time out by saying, uh, sending my condolences to the family of Kobe Bryant, um, senior Jelly Bean, mom, uh, Vanessa Bryant, of course, uh, the children that have been left behind, the families as well that lost their lives uh, in the crash, in the helicopter crash with Kobe. I remember this day like it was yesterday. And one thing I do know about tragedy is that there, there always has to be a silver lining, right? Later down the road, eventually you'll find out where that silver lining is and, and you'll say to yourself, well, there was the blessing in that issue that I can pull from that. I believe, unfortunately, that's what Kobe Bryant's death meant to a lot of hardworking individuals. As I can continuously remind people through my shows, through my content, is that if Kobe wanted you to do anything, he would want you to move forward and be the best version of yourself that you can be. He was a living basketball god, and people got a chance to witness his greatness, not just through his highest accomplishments and achievements, but also through his mistakes. And to me, that's what made the Mamba the Mamba, because he owned his mistakes, but he, but he also tried to make them better. And so I want to just say this. There is a, a quote that he always mentions, and it's about inspiring people. And essentially, I'm paraphrasing, it says that you inspire others through your work, and that's what makes you great. Thank you, Kobe, for all of the entertainment that you provided for us. Thank you for the stories. Thank you for the work post-NBA career. Thank you for the messages and stories that you've left with us so that we can always refer back to those in our times of, of need and when we need that extra booth you truly were the antithesis of what someone uh, should be absolutely man well said thank you for sharing that thank you for coming on man it's been too long i feel like it's been an eternity but i know uh you know, we'll, you'll be back on next month at this time. And thank you so much for, for coming on board. Really appreciate the, the camaraderie. Really appreciate your thoughts and, and your point of views, especially on various topics, especially guys like Master P and Trey Songs, which would be very interesting. So uh, <laughs> make sure you stay tuned. Thank you to my man, Jay Ticker, for coming on. You can follow him on all things social media at The Ticker Report. And make sure you keep up with all of his shows. He's definitely continued to elevate and create. So make sure you stay tuned. This guy's definitely a young man that continues to ascend higher and higher. And I appreciate you coming on, man. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks, Nick. See you later, Turner. All right. That was Jay Ticker from the Ticker Report. Thank you so much for tuning in to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. If you miss any portion of this broadcast, make sure you download and subscribe to us on all streaming platforms. That's SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, the whole shebang. Make sure you do it. And then guess what, y'all? It's free 99. All right, y'all. Until next week, please be safe out there. Please be sharp. And please take care of your loved ones and yourselves. Until next week, 
I'm out. The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton Extra Dose are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Stam Radio.